Hey, Peter. Hey. Which of these do you prefer, this one? Or this one? Mm. Woo! Mm. Uh, the first one. Oh, this guy's got no taste. <laughs> <laughs> Thumbs up. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear Podcast. Music advice coming at you. Coming at you today, sponsored by Open Studio. Go to openstudiojazz.com for all of your jazz lesson needs. Peter, yes. what's going on over at Open Studio? Well, not right just now? jazz lesson needs, jazz community oh, needs. Oh, there's a bunch of community over and there. And you might not have thought you needed it, but you need it. That's why you're here, right? <laughs> you <laughs> need it. good. That's good wordplay, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, man, I'm still on kind of a high from our. What do you know about our mentor sessions? Well, I host the mentor sessions usually, <laughs> oh, so right. I know you quite do. a bit. And <laughs> I know that the one that we had you're last. You're the maitre d'. <laughs> and the major don't welcome, of the mentor sessions. sirs and madams. Welcome, sit down, please, and enjoy Aaron Parks mentoring you. Men Aaron Parks did an incredible live. We do these live because it's fun, yeah. right? The whole community, well, I mean, a lot of the community comes together on Fridays, and we have amazing people like Aaron Parks. We've got Adam Lar Larson. Adam Larson's coming, coming up this up. Friday, yeah. T Taylor Eitze. But um, Fred Hirsch has done it. We we've got We've got just great folks. But the Aaron Parks things was so cool. Now, he's been in the studio. We have a course coming out soon. Yeah, we got a course coming uh, up with Aaron. And he's connected to some kind of universal musical light that just comes through him so easily <sighs> yes. and beautifully. And it's people, just... People were loving it, including me. Yeah, no, I mean, we're all learning stuff from yeah. Aaron. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got that. And then Open Studio Pro, your baby. You Talk about Maitre D. You truly the Maitre D of the Open Studio I rock Pro. I it to sleep every night. Man, this I feed a little bottle of formula. <laughs> like, this sucker Studio is going to go crazy next year. It already is. We got so many good things happening over there. And just want to encourage... It's closed right now. Okay, this is like the closed part of the restaurant when they're like, you can't sit there. But if you go to openstudiojazz.com slash pro, you can sign up for the wait list. And we are going to open it. I don't know if you know this. We're committing to opening it at least one time before the end of the year. We will have it open one time before 2024. And you might want to get in on it when it opens up. If you if you see an email saying that Open Studio Pro is open, yes. get in there. Because why, Peter? Uh, the price is about to go up. It's, it's about to be to double, actually. Yeah. Yeah. We've been underpricing this thing. But it's it's really an exciting thing. If you go to openstudiojazz.com slash pro, you can learn or follow the link in the description. You can learn all about it. Live yeah. classes every day, I think six days a week. Six days a week, at least two live classes. Yeah, sometimes up to four live yeah. classes every day. So much fun. Yeah. So many, so it's such a great community there. So Cool. Well, man, I'm excited about today because you know yes. what? You and I both have done our fair share of composition. We've done, both done our fair share of arranging. Yes. But... We've done our fair share of deranging as well. We deranged quite a few of our of our bandmates, <laughs> uh, but Caleb I feel like laughed. composition and arranging are underrepresented on the You'll Hear It podcast somehow. Mm. Like we don't talk enough about it. I, for me, I feel a little bit like an imposter. Like I never took a composition, or as class. the French say, "imposter," as they say in brusque sales. I've never taken a French class. I've never taken a composition class. I've never taken really? an arranging class. I've done it all from experience. I'm very fortunate that I get to arrange for some amazing ensembles, including our very own St. Louis Symphony. Quite often, and I'm just so stoked every time I get to do it. Uh, I've I saw an arrangement of yours with the St. Louis Symphony in front of about twenty thousand people a few years ago, maybe four years ago, uh -huh. at Forest Park, which yeah. was very uh, exhilarating. It's I'm a, sure for you to, to do it and to hear it. Oh, uh, it's very well. It's nerve wracking. It's very exciting. But yep. like I said, like we've kind of learned on the job composition and yep. arranging. I know you have too. Of just I think the pianists, they always it. get thrown at. Like, hey, we got to need a string arrangement. Go right. write some strings. Sue but us. We, we know out. how to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know how to figure it out. 
but it's been an amazing part of hey conga player go make an arrangement (laughs) said nobody ever (laughs) it's been an amazing part of of my musical journey and i know yours too i i really love your arrangement your arrangement of infinite is one of my favorite arrangements i've ever heard Mm. um and uh of any song but I, you know, Peter, I'm working on a new concert, November 18th, here at the Sheldon Concert Hall. Yes. If you're near St. Louis, come see my new uh, orchestra, Pop, Pop, Pop. It's just that sound. Yep. Uh, we're going to be playing the music of, uh, we're playing the music of Carole King, Stevie Nicks, and Joni Mitchell. And Ooh, we're doing- Eminently arrangeable compositions. Oh my gosh. They're you know? such good songwriters, all three of them. And they're such good songs. They're easy to arrange, actually. But I was working on Both Sides Now. Classic Joni Mitchell song, which we'll get to here. And I was listening to Vince Mendoza's arrangement, which we'll hear at the end of the show. So stick around to hear, I think, the most beautiful seven minutes of music that's ever been recorded. Mm-hmm. And I got the thing. If you don't hear it at the end, that means we got copyright, got blocked, which is possible with, with Joni Mitchell or Vince Mendoza. Possible. Especially but, Joni. Yeah. Um, but we'll link to it in any case. But we will link to it. But, uh, you know, uh, it got me thinking about how important arranging is. And I yes. was like, Man, is arranging more powerful than composing? Like, could you take sort of a mid song and with a great arranger make it great? Or could you yes. even take a great song and make it iconic? Like, I, th- I feel like both sides now, Joni's song, she wrote when she was very young. And it's a good song. It's a great song. There's no doubt yeah. about it. It's an amazing song. But with Vince's arrangement and Joni's performance when she's a little bit older mm. and Wayne Shorter is on that. Oh. It's like, it's a whole other thing. Yeah. And it's, it's actually better than the original version. And I have some examples here of, of sort of original versions and different than the original. Some of the originals I think are better than the, the, uh, the later arrangements, but I don't know, man, some of these, and then we just have some really beautiful arrangements that we can just talk about. Sort of the role of the arranger and how important it is. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just wondering and uh, just thinking on my feet here, thinking out loud, just throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks. I, I'm wondering if the arrangement sort of elevating the the listener's experience, the you know, is more important when you don't have the lyrics. Because like you mentioned, both sides now. Amazing song, but really linked with the lyric right yeah. so if you're doing an instrumental version i feel like a lot of times the arrangement is becomes more important if it's a song yes right if you're going to leave out the lyrics which we are apt to do uh as jazz musicians often or it's like a solo piano thing it's like the arrangement becomes super important i mean i've done like some arrangements of just like beautiful i think beautiful standards really just solo piano things like you know in you know um uh Embraceable you, right? It's not that you want to like go crazy on everything, but without that lyric, even though I'm thinking about the beautiful lyrics. Yeah. So, embraceable you. If there's no lyric, you have a little bit more freedom. If there is a lyric, you you should tell the story of the song. Yeah. Uh, I just have some really amazing, I think, amazing uh, arrangements pulled up. I'm going to start with uh, Billy Eckstein's "My Foolish Heart." Now, this is close to the original of when this song was written. This is, in fact, one of the first hits of this song. So this is an arrangement. Um, He was a hit maker. He was a hit maker. But I want to listen to this and then I want to listen to the Oscar Peterson Nelson Riddle version. The night is like a lovely tune Beware 
So pretty straight down the middle, horn pads, string pads. How wide the ever constant moon. Take care, my foolish heart. Kind of a walking ballad feel. There's a line between love and fascination. A pop, a pop arrangement, a mid-century pop arrangement. For they both give the very same sensation When you're lost in the magic of a kiss Okay, so just a few years later, let's listen to the version with Oscar Peterson and Nelson Riddle. This has become one of my favorite standard arrangements ever. Already the textures, the colors are a little bit more vibrant. It's more art, artful arrangement already. walking ballad feel. Mm. Orchestration change giving the soloist the melody here on the bridge. And Oscar's left hand arranges very much in tune with what happened before that, right? The arranging doesn't stop when the strings. Did you hear that? Even quoting sort of that intro. Yeah. Quoting the intro. Pits. French horns are in the his house. There's just so many textures and colors here. There's nothing wrong with the Billy Eckstein version. It's gorgeous. His performance, it's it's all about the singer. But that's, I think, what I think we could talk about. That's what I think I think we could talk about, Peter, is, is sort of what is the composition and what is the arrangement and how the arranger can really turn a great song into an iconic song or a good song into a great or a, yeah. a mid-song into a good song. Right. There's a progressive uh, feel to it and approach to the arrangement that you hear with those two different versions. Like, As you said, nothing wrong with the Billy Nothing accent, wrong. It's good. But, but this like, is it's great. It's out. Yeah, this is progress. You know, harmony, of course, but orchestration. Hmm. Telling a story that's maybe beyond even just the song, right? That whole tone thing? So good. So so I already know a recurring theme we're going to... I don't even know all the tracks that you're pulling, but for something for I'm going to be listening for is how does the soloist or the vocalist, the pianist in this case, interact and complete and kind of dovetail with the arrangement because that's a huge part of it. Like that Billy Eckstein version, 
is definitely a pop version. Like that yeah. mid-century pop, it's meant to showcase the vo vocalist, and that arrangement does a great job at that. Billy's vocals are right up front, and everything sits. The strings were kind of floating above his range. Right. You know, and uh, everything else was just kind of moving the tune along. But this Nelson Riddle arrangement with Oscar Peterson, you know, Oscar's the soloist, and yet he doesn't have the melody the whole time. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's using... Uh, the arrangement in a more artful way. Yeah. And maybe this is a good time to talk, Peter, about for those who might be new to this, like what's the difference between a composition and an arrangement? Yes. You know, so the composition itself... Potentially millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> the composition itself is usually uh, just the melody and the lyrics. That is what you copyright as a composition. So you yeah. have your melody... You have your lyrics. You can also include chord changes, although those can't be copyrighted. So there's a reason why. But can't they be like in conjunction with the overall composition? Just yes. not on their own. It's just not on their own. This is not legal advice. No. Oh, what, what's my disclaimer? Well, I and now do? you know. As now Ed, I need to do a as disclaimer. As Ed Sheeran is finding out, it's very different <laughs> with with recorded technology and. Uh, yeah, Marvin Gaye's estate is really letting some people have it for <laughs> right. ripping off the sound. But what is that? Oh, full disclosure. I'm not an attorney. We are not attorneys. But imagine if George Gershwin's estate did that with rhythm changes. We wouldn't have had Bebop. Well, that's an example of just the the um you can't copyright just the chord changes. Just the chord changes. You can steal them though, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we wouldn't have as many blues tunes as we have. We wouldn't have as many rhythm changes. Blues, clues, blues. Or any clues. contrafact. So a contrafact is when you just take the chord changes. But the composition is, again, just the melody and the lyrics. Those are what really make up the composition. It's the arranger's job to take everything that you have with that and put it into context and, and put color to it. And let's take another like rudimentary example here, Peter. Yes. Here's a, here's a tune. Okay, I hope I know the version progressive version you're going to choose. I already know it. So this is a Star-Spangled Banner by Francis Scott Key. Is that who wrote the tune, or did he just write the lyrics? I don't even know. That's a bad midi. Is that called, is it the national anthem? I was, I was confused. It's the national anthem of the United States, yeah. There are, right. there are no, anthems No, because there's the Star-Spangled Banner, there's the national anthem, there's the I love that America that Ray Charles sang. That America the Beautiful by America Ray Charles. Beautiful, That's but iconic. That is not yeah. our national anthem. That is not. Could be. Could be. Maybe that should be. That is Panama's national anthem. Fun fact. Okay. No, it is not. That's <laughs> weird. Uh, so that's the USA's national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner. Here is, I think, and I, I this is common knowledge, but John Clayton's arrangement for Whitney Houston in the Super Bowl, I believe it was 91 or 92. Yeah. Still a national anthem feel. Got the snare drum, militaristic. But here's where it gets great.
Clayton. God bless America. That is really good. Shout John out to Clayton. John Clayton. Shout out John Clayton. Shout out to America. Yes. That is, uh, yeah, John Clayton, who was just here last week. Yeah. I, I got to see him playing at the, you know, incredible jazz bassist, amazing arranger. Probably more people have heard this. Um, I don't know if, it's un- unfortunately, than hearing him play the bass, which yeah, is yeah. his thing. But a great writer, great arranger. No, this is an iconic fantastic version. Human. In fact, yeah. this is the version. Like even even my wife Heather talks about. Like, why would anybody sing the national anthem after this version has been done? They should just replay this one again and again. Yeah. So let's talk about a few things about the arrangement and about the performance because, um, like we were talking about the the, the vocalist in this case. How does she, first of all, magnificent vocal performance. Um, I think it's commonly known that this was lip synced, as are many of these big things. Not that Whitney Houston couldn't have come and killed it, but apparently she, she um, if I'm remembering this correctly, she recorded it in advance in one take. Yeah. So it's basically like she it's did like it. It's like a live just performance. Like it's more controlled. Whatever doesn't yeah. allow, you know, because of the things that can go wrong. And also just in terms of audio and things like that. But I think the meticulous, uh, arrangement in terms of like the clarity of the different sections, but also Whitney Houston's ability to add to the arrangement and to how she sings on top of it is just genius. Genius. Because it's very much connected. Like once he starts to loosen up the harmony and go into all those subs, like she starts loosening up her well her melodic approach. And it's the genius of John Clayton to know yeah. that that is what's going to happen. Yeah, to know I mean, the he artist sets he's the arranging table out, for. Exactly. And then she takes you know she takes the cue. Another, uh, I think, great example of an arranger arranging for the player is if we took a look at this beautiful George Gershwin song. Speaking of Gershwin. Yes. Oh, this is OG right here. Mm. Summertime from Porgy and Bess. Mm. There's nothing wrong with this setting either, this orchestration. Yeah. Really, really solid. But wouldn't you rather? <laughs> but wouldn't you rather? Who was that? Oh. Gil Evans' arrangement for Miles Davis. want to get some emotions going use some mid brass use some french horns use some french horn right yeah use some trombones Woo! and brought in the low brass 
then single line, no harmony. And the balance with Miles with the, I mean, the sound, this is at the old church, Sony, uh, Columbia Church. Uh, all these little details, man. Again, Miles picking up on the arrangement. And then single line. Is that saxes or reeds or something? What that Texture. Not needed. Not needed. Oh. Okay. So many brilliant things we can talk about. We're not gonna have time, but one thing I definitely want to mention, and then yeah, I mean, we, if we get into this, this would be a, a, a the University of of Gil Evans and what he did and, and what Miles did. They worked really closely together. I know on this stuff. So, like, don't be afraid to repeat that something that's good. It's just like with the soul. It's just like the way Miles is playing. Like Gil Evans wrote the lines and then it diverges and then it comes back and then he repeats some stuff exactly mm -hmm. the same. You know, mm -hmm. you can't always get away with that. That's the art of it. That's not the science, but you can't run away from that as arrangers. I mean, I've often come back and taken things out. I was like, wait, why am I changing this? I like what I did. We can do that again. People are going to want to hear that again. Um, and then also, I was just going to throw this up. Side note, arrangement. I love this album cover. This provocative over there, Adam. Yeah, there you go. Oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. Kind of provocative for the, for the day and the age, unfortunately. 100%. It shouldn't have been. But it's a beautiful, like the photography of it, like the the colors on it, obviously, you know, the hand, the trumpet, the two hands, the leg, the shirt, no faces and stuff. I mean, one of the most iconic and brilliant album uh, designs of all time. Beautiful photography. Well, let's check out what started this. Let's close the loop, Peter. All right. On the Joni Mitchell. You did throw that out there. So if you want to put my screen up, you I've got... You threw that wiffle ball up. And um, there you go. So this is the version of Both Sides Now that she recorded when she was 26. Oh, gee. She was 26 years old in 1969. Might not have even been Canada yet. That's a great cover, too, by the way. Painted by herself. Open tuning, yeah. Open. That's part of the arrangement, right? Rose and flows of angel hair And ice cream castles in the Everywhere I've looked at clouds that we, but now they only block the sun. They rain and snow on everyone. So many things I would have done, but clouds got in my way. I've looked at clouds from both sides. A, yeah. a beautiful song and then she goes through you know I really don't know starts with I really don't know clouds at all 
And then I really don't know love at all. And I really don't know life at all. And it's all good. And she wrote that when or she recorded that when she was 26. And she re-recorded it when she was 56 in the year 2000, maybe 57. And this w is with Vince Mendoza conducting, I believe it's an orchestra in London. I need to double check that, fact check. But it's uh, Peter Erskine on drums, Wayne Shorter on the uh, soprano saxophone, mm. and uh, Vince Mendoza on the arrangement and the, uh, the conducting. And this one to me is, I just think it's one of the most beautiful pieces of music that's ever been recorded. Vince's arrangement here, like listen, if you listen to the strings at the start, he makes the strings sound like clouds. There's no real shape. There's things that are moving and changing and happening in the string pad, mm. but it's not a straight pad. There are lines within lines within lines, and it's very much like looking at clouds rolling by. It is, and then Wayne Shorter, the, just the whole thing is perfection. And it really goes to show you, I mean, that's a great song. It's a mm. great song, just her and a guitar. It's beautiful. It's iconic. And it is, uh, it is an, even that more special with these great musicians. Mm. Check out Both Sides Now from 2000. Mm. Here are things changing, moving, shimmering on just one chord. Rose and flows of angel hair and ice cream castles in the air And feather canyons everywhere Looked at clouds that way But now that line that is moving through the orchestra, through the strings They rain and they snow on everyone so many things I would have done But clouds guard in my way I've looked at clouds From both sides now From up and down And still somehow It's cloud illusions I recall I really don't know clouds at all. Moons and dunes and fairies wheels, the dizzy dancing way that you feel as every Every tale comes real. I've looked at love that way. The strings have never really stopped that movement. But now it's just another show. And you leave them laughing when you go. And if you can, don't let them know. It's about to bring in. Don't give yourself away. Some more sections of the orchestra here. I've looked at love from both sides now. Low grasses. From give and take. 
Someone with is a genius with 30 more years and of experience. Yes. Yeah. And they tell me that I've changed. Well, something's lost, but something's gained in living every day. Wayne Shorter here makes it. I've looked at life from both sides now. I recall I really Ugh. don't know life At all those common tones. I mean, it's a great example. You want to know what an arranger can do? Boom. That's the difference that, yeah, that an arranger can have. And there's nothing wrong with the original version of her and a guitar, and I'm sure there's plenty of people that prefer that, but, and they're, they're both amazing, but there is just that, like, a great arranger can take something that's already great and elevate it to this place that's just magical. I mean, that's magical. Absolutely. Throw in Wayne Shorter there, too. Like, oh, this, it's, it's beyond the, 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 the yeah. icing on top. It's the cherry, the icing, and lift. We have liftoff. So composition versus arrangement? Arrangement. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <Got it>. Both. <laughs> All right, till next time. You'll hear it.